What's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazzitti and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. So if you guys are uh, joining me for the very first time, first and foremost, welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. Absolutely love it when we get new listeners. But, um, you know, I just also wanted to challenge you guys to do the 10 episode challenge. I, I think it's the first time I've really ever mentioned this before. But, you know, in reality, guys, look. I think you guys would get a massive, massive amount of value if you guys go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes of the podcast. You know, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. You know, the things we talk about here with economics, entrepreneurship, trading, investing, that type of stuff, we don't talk about it in a vacuum, right? So you guys, you know, I'm going to be referencing stuff in previous episodes that you guys, if you're if you're just joining me, you're going to totally miss out on. Not to mention there's a ton, an absolute ton of knowledge and information and value, you know, that I've laid out in those episodes and all the past episodes. So, hey. I would like to challenge you to do that. Uh, go check it out, and you'll get a lot of value out of the show if you do that. So, uh, and hey, thank you for doing it. I think I think you'll love it. That said, though, uh, you know, I I really was kind of struggling to figure out what I wanted to talk about with you guys today. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. My whole week got totally thrown off of the normal track and everything. And while I do work off of a schedule on a week to week on a day to day basis I guess I should say you know my schedule is somewhat loose it's not super regimented you know I mean it is but it however is a schedule I'm very routine oriented in that sense but it's not like overly like okay at five o'clock I do this at six o'clock I do this you know it's it's not like that but there are certain things that I do at within certain time frames within the day to some extent, I, I guess you could say, you know, like during the middle of the day, I take care of my 10 month old daughter. You know, I play with her while my wife is, you know, working at, at her job and whatnot. Uh, we're both working from home now. So that's been pretty fun. You know, it's absolutely just been amazing to see my wife be able to see our daughter, you know, grow up and, and mature and develop and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, if you guys don't have any kids, this might be difficult for you to relate to, but you know, at the start of all this, before all the, the coronavirus and all that kind of, and all the, the, the lockdowns and everything happened, you know, at first I was actually kind of worried that my wife was going to have a really, really hard time, you know, going to work and me being home with my daughter. And, you know, I was a little nervous about it, but I've worked with children, not babies, but children for over 10 years. I mean, I worked in the school districts in the daycare, you know, as a college job for a really, really, really long time. It took me like 10 years to get through college. And and as a result of that, I was working those jobs for 10 years. Granted, not 10 years straight, okay? There were some years in there where I went to go work at, a, at like an inventory company for, um, you know, some kind of uh, kind of a health, uh, a health me medical company 
products provider, I can't really say the name of, or at least I shouldn't say the name of. Um, I don't even think it's around anymore. I I think they went bust. But, uh, you know, I was an inventory, I worked in the inventory there while I was, you know, still trying to put myself through college. And then I also worked, after I got out of college, I also worked at another inventory job. Well, this one was not indoors. Well, it was inventory and it was inside a warehouse. The warehouse was awful. Absolutely awful. This tiny little warehouse. You had to constantly find space for, for product. It was a pool company. And they were constantly dragging in big, you know, pieces that you would use to, to make the pool, you know, equipment or, you know, sometimes you had those like um, splash parks and stuff. They had a lot of that stuff in, but this was not a big warehouse, you know, not by warehouse standards, right? This was actually a pretty small warehouse and it was freaking ridiculous to have to try to find new ways of fixing stuff and, you know, fitting stuff in, in places where in reality it never should have been. It was awful, awful, absolutely hated it. You know, the warehouse was not insulated much at all, if you could say it was insulated. You know, it was really hot in the summertime and in the wintertime you were really cold, but then you would get sweaty by lifting stuff and moving stuff around and then you'd be like, (laughs) you'd be hot, you start to sweat and you'd be even colder and what, it was just, it was an awful experience. I'll be honest, that that was before I kind of started you know, my own podcast, my own website. That was before I started this whole thing of, you know, taking control of the source of my freedom. I was kind of in the process of it, but I wasn't really quite in the throes of it. I wasn't really doing it full time. And it was just, it was absolutely terrible. I worked with ex-convicts, basically just, I'll say this, everybody that worked there, or at least a lot of people that worked there, were not there by choice. They were there because they didn't have another option. You know, because of the poor decisions they had made in their life, they had really very, very little choice in terms of, you know, working anywhere else where the conditions were better and and whatnot. And for me, you know, coming getting out of, you know, college with a bachelor's degree in business administration, I was like, uh, WTF, this is not what I did, <laughs> what I went to school for. Yeah, I didn't go to school for it to be, I could have worked this job without a college degree and without the debt. And, you know, I mean, yeah, while it was, uh, you know, great for losing weight and whatnot, it was, yeah, nah, terrible job. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, and, and whatnot. And I, I can't tell you how depressed I was when I worked there. I mean, I was like, this is not, I mean, I'm smarter than this. I, I should not be here, you know, but every other job I tried to apply to at the time, eh, you know, they weren't willing to give me a shot. So, um, never really had, uh, that, op- never really had an opportunity. So I said, screw it. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm sick and tired of, of attempting stuff. I mean, I was already decided I was going to do my own thing at that time anyways, but I decided to, uh, you know, I was going to originally get a job and then work on my own thing at night when I, after coming home and eating dinner and spending some time with my wife. But I decided that since I couldn't get a job I wanted, <laughs> I figured, uh, screw that. I'm just going to start my own thing now. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go back to, you know, working the dist- you know school district and whatnot and that's that was a part-time gig. It pays fairly well for a part-time gig, and I didn't have to work weekends, so it provided me a little bit of money, but also an ample time to to work. So it was a happy medium, and I I had already had a very very good name there and everything, so that was great. But that said, you know, uh, long and drawn out explanation there, but you know, for the most part, what I'm trying to get across is that you know, I I love taking care of my daughter and whatnot in the middle of the day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great. And I I have a lot of experience in taking care of kids and stuff. So, but I was worried that my wife was going to go to work 
and then she was going to constantly feel guilt, guilty about not being able to see my daughter grow up. So, you know, it's been it's been absolutely wonderful, you know, to to have her be able to see our daughter grow up and everything, and and, and just I mean, our, our daughter's crawling now. That was that's absolutely amazing. We, the way she was acting before, you know, it, it seemed like it almost just happened overnight. You know, it didn't seem like she was really all that interested in crawling. And you know, we do tummy time and all kinds of stuff, and just you know, not, not a whole lot going on there. And then all of a sudden she started to, you know, practice a little bit and then she started crawling and it's like, wow, well that just changed almost overnight, or at least it seemed like it did. So, you know, it, it's, it, it was, it, it's been, it's been great. I, I have to, I know that these lockdowns and stuff have been very detrimental for a lot of, a lot of people and have, is ruined people's lives and stuff of that nature, but there have been benefits that have come out of it. You know, more family time and stuff of that nature, less commuting to work and whatnot. I know my wife has been enjoying that. So, you know, just, just stuff like that. But that said though, you know, I mean, ultimately when it comes to my schedule, you know, I, while I, I will say that I am a routine oriented person, I don't stick to a highly regimented routine. You know, I wake up, and usually around 7 a.m., sometimes 8, if I'm honest. And, you know, I come into the office and, well, recently my daughter hasn't been taking her morning nap, so I haven't been able to really work a lot in the mornings. But anyways, so, you know, I would wake up, I would, I would get some work done in the mornings, maybe I would do some trading on trade, some paper trading on TradingView, or maybe I would do some backtesting, or pr- most of the time it was editing content and things of that nature, recording an episode and whatnot for the podcast or whatever. And then, you know, in the afternoon, I take care of my daughter. And then at tour around five o'clock, my wife would get off work and then I would start hitting the, hitting the ground running. And I'd start like working on a podcast episode. I start editing content or what, whatever I need to do at the time. So, you know, that's, you know, and well, this week we got off because on Monday I took, because it was Labor Day, I took Monday off to spend with my family, which was absolutely amazing. And I, and I, I, I really love do, you know, taking time off and family time is incredibly, incredibly important to me. But I have to be honest, when I take time off, it's really hard for me to get in the mindset of working again. And fo- that following Tuesday, I ended up not feeling like I wanted to do a thing totally unmotivated and I wasn't feeling well at all like <laughs> I wasn't sick but man my allergies had just were killing me I mean just oh it was awful I, I can't even describe I have really bad allergies from time to time and I can't even mow the yard anymore because it it was practically making me sick all year long and which is weird because when I was a teenager I used to be able to mow the yard yeah all the time no problem whatever you know it's just what you did you know, it's just your, your, uh, weekly chores or, or whatnot. But now, man, I mean, I went through a long time where I didn't do when I didn't mow, you know, once I got married and I moved out of my parents' house and stuff, you know, I just didn't mow for years and years and years. We lived in apartments for the most part. And then now we're finally living in a house where I have to mow. And so for the first year, I just, it made me really, really, my allergies were just all just had a, they were all over the place. So now, you know, I had that on Tuesday and man, it was just, it was awful. It was just outright awful. So I decided to uh, not do anything and kind of take the day and just try to kick back, relax, take a nap, try to sleep it off and whatnot. And, you know, uh, and then th- that coming 
you know, Wednesday, it just, I don't know, after that, I was already off on my schedule, my routine, and I just had a freakishly hard time getting back on it again. And, and I'll be honest, why am I telling you this? I'm not trying to complain or anything. What I'm telling you is that <laughs> I actually had no idea w- with what I wanted to talk about when I came into the show. To, to Even now, I'm not even 100% sure. <laughs> you know, I just, there's, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I think I, I do want to, there is an article that I read from the Mises Institute by Danielle Lacalle. He's a, a PhD economist. He also do, has a fi, a financial investing firm uh, or business that he that he owns. And you know, it's, it's talking about uh, bankruptcies are rising despite trillions of dollars in new liquidity that's being issued. So I kind of wanted to 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 talk about that. I think it's a, another red flag. Uh, I've been kind of going on, you know, talking about these red flags that have been going on in the economies and whatnot. But you know, to some extent, I also wanted to talk about other things as well. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll. Do do, we'll read this article. We'll kind of go from there and um, yeah, see how it goes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just for whatever reason this week, I just do not feel like I'm on my game and I'm hoping next week will be a lot better. You know, I'll be able to record the episodes earlier in the week. I'm recording this right now on Friday. Normally, I record this episode like on Tuesday. You know, and that's usually how my week goes. Um, I almost always record it on Tuesday, and you know, unfortunately, I was not able to do so. And, and even if I wasn't feeling bad, my wife had meetings early in the morning, and I wasn't able to do it because I had to watch our daughter. So you know, uh, you gotta kind of take it as it comes and uh, work with what you got. So but that said, though, Daniel Lacal, Mises Institute. The bankruptcies bankruptcies rise despite trillions in new liquidity. So misguided lockdowns have destroyed the global economy and the impact is likely to last for years. The fallacy of the lives or the economy argument is evident now that we see that countries like Taiwan, South Korea, Austria, Sweden, and Holland have been able to preserve the business fabric and the economy while doing a much better job managing the pandemic than countries with severe lockdowns. One of the most alarming facts about this crisis is the pace at which bankruptcies are rising. Despite an 11 trillion liquidity injection and government aid in 2020, stocks and bonds at all-time highs and sovereign as well as corporate yields are at all-time lows. Companies are going bust at the fastest pace since the Great Depression. Why? Because a solvency crisis cannot be disguised by liquidity. Trillions in liquidity are giving investors and governments a false sense of security because yields are low and valuations are high. But it is a mirage driven by central bank purchases that cannot disguise how quickly companies are entering into long-term solvency issues. This is important because soaring bankruptcies and the rise in zombie companies means less employment, less investment, and lower growth in the future. Liquidity can only disguise risk. It does not resolve solvency issues driven by collapsing cash flows while costs remain elevated. According to Financial Times, large U.S. corporate bankruptcy filings are now running at a record pace and are set to surpass levels reached during the financial crisis in 2009. As of August 17, a record 45 companies, each with assets of more than $1 billion, have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. That's uh, (laughs) a lot of money. In Germany, about 500,000 companies are considered insolvent and have been zombified by a pointless insolvency law that simply extends the pain of businesses that are technically bankrupt. In Spain, the Bank of Spain alerted that 25% of all companies are on the verge of closing due to insolvency. According to Moody's estimate, more than 10% of businesses in the leading economies are in severe financial stress, many in technical bankruptcy. How could this happen? 
Well, you know, we all know how, but let's see what he says. Since the 2008 fi- uh, crisis, all policy actions have been aimed at keeping sovereign bond yields low, bailing out bloated government spending and deficits. And the massive liquidity injections have benefited the large quoted companies that have used the money to shield their valuations through buybacks and cheap debt. However, cheap money has also triggered malinvestment, poor capital allocation, and higher than normal levels of debt. Small businesses did not see the alleged benefits of the massive liquidity and deficit programs, while large companies became too comfortable with elevated levels of debt, poor return on capital employed, and solvency ratios that were simply too low in a growing economy. Cheap money and massive bailouts have planted the seed of a solvency crisis that was triggered by irresponsible decision of some governments of shutting down entire economies. If you have an economy that is highly leveraged and with weak productivity and solvency ratios, shutting down the economy for two months is the last nail in the coffin and the ramifications will last for years. Bailing out zombie firms will only make things worse and new lockdowns could be lethal. The solution is what no government wants to do because it does not grab large headlines or give the impression that politicians are saving the world. Supply side measures that activate the mechanisms of refinancing, restructuring, and efficiency improvement. More demand side policies, pointless stimulus plans driven at building anything at any cost, and more liquidity injections will only make things worse and drive the economy to a stagflation crisis, where the next problem will be entering into a financial crisis as bankruptcies soar and banks' assets valuations fall as non-performing loans balloon despite massive central bank action. Governments will prefer to go down the Japan route, more debt, more bailouts, and massive government spending. However, that will only lead to stagnation and perpetuating imbalances that cannot be hidden when the mistakes of Japan are implemented by the Eurozone, China, and the United States. There's no possible way in which large spending liquidity binges will deliver anything but higher debt, weaker growth, and lower real wages. To end the zombie firm problem and the risk of even more bailouts, we need more open market, less red tape, and more flexible restructuring mechanisms. Anything else will simply deliver stagnation. So, uh, yeah, the only reason I read that article was largely because, or the whole thing was largely because it was a, it, it, he tends to write relatively short articles that are pretty easy to read and whatnot that kind of hammer out a certain point and then are done. You know, they're not very long and drawn out, which is one of the reasons I love, uh, you know, Daniel Lacal. He's just, I, mean, I hope I'm saying his last name right. I really don't know. I think Lacal, Lacale, I, I think it's Lacal. But anyways, you know, I mean, but he, he brings up an excellent point, doesn't he? You know, there are bankruptcies that are on the rise and that and there are on pace to being greater than that of the 2008 financial crisis. What have we said in the past? You know, this is another reason why you need to go back and listen to the other episodes is because, you know, what I've said in the past is that, you know, when I talked about, you know, money printing and how the American economy and largely Western economies in general that have engaged in this kind of policy and, and much more than Western economies. But, you know, when these governments are engaging in massive money printing, it, it creates kind of an addiction, an addiction that you can easily compare to like a heroin addiction. And the more and more you get, the more and more you want. So you start off with an initial hit, it's not that much, and it, it delivers a very, very high dopamine you know, production in your brain, it, it makes you feel good, and ultimately y- you feel euphoric, right? Well then, you know, you start to come down and you gotta get another hit. But this time around, you need even more than what you had a- the last time, so the law of diminishing returns, right? And then, as you continue to do hit over hit, you need more in one hit, than you needed before. And before you know it, 
you know, it'll kill you if you keep going with it. And that's exactly what we're having right now. America, you can equate America's money addiction, easy money addiction to that of a, a heroin addiction or some kind of drug addiction. And it's, it's really, really, really destructive. And when you stop printing money, which actually did happen, I mean, even Frank Shostak, uh, or I think I'm saying his name right, man, I'm having a hard time with last names. I mean, uh, Frank Shostak, Frank Shostak, uh, he's on the Mises Institute, a great, great guy. He, he writes really, really well about a lot of really great economic topics and whatnot. But even he says, and I'll read the first little bit of this article here. I'm not going to read the whole thing. That basically, a lot of people say that it was COVID-19. I've even said this, that it was the coronavirus that has basically caused the recession. But in reality... Or that it was the, I've said that it was the shutdowns in response to the coronavirus. But he says that actually it was because it was a drop, a decline in the growth rate of the money supply. And that was more so than anything else, what really caused the recession. So I'll read you real quick what he says here. I thought I found it very fascinating when I read this article and it's a really, really great article. So I'll put it in the show notes description. If you guys want to go and read it for yourself, I'll also put the other one that I just read in there as well. But basically the US Fed is considering lifting its inflation target above 2% in order to revive the economy. Contrary to the accepted practice, the Fed is not expected to raise an alarm if the measured price inflation begins to rise. The U.S. Central Bank is not expected to counter this increase with a tighter monetary stance as is in the past. In fact, the idea is to continue robust monetary pumping until the economic data points towards a strong economy. According to most experts, when an economy falls into a recession, the central bank can pull it out of the slump by pumping money. This way of thinking implies that money pumping can somehow grow the economy. The question is, how is this possible? After all, if money pumping can grow the economy, then why not pump plenty of it to generate massive economic growth? By doing that, central banks worldwide could have already created everlasting prosperity on the planet. For most commentators, the arrival of recession is due to the shocks such as the COVID-19 that push the economy away from a trajectory of stable economic growth. Shocks weaken the economy, i.e. lower the economic growth so it is held. As a rule, however, a recession or an economic bust emerges in response to a decline in the growth rate of money supply. Note that a decline in the monetary growth works with a time lag. This means that the effects of past declines in the growth rate of of money supply could start asserting their influence after a prolonged period of time. It is likely that the present economic slump was set in motion by a strong downtrend in the yearly growth rate of AMS money supply from 14.3% in August 2011 to 0.6% by August 2019. As a result, various activities that sprang up on the back of the previous strong money growth rate came under pressure. Observe the yearly growth rate of AMS jumped from 0.7% in March 2007 to 14.3% of August 2009. I think AMS is the Austrian money supply index. Anyways, that said though, these activities cannot fund themselves independently. They survive on account of the support that the increase in the money supply provides. The increase in money diverts 
to them real savings from wealth generating activities and consequently weakens wealth generators. A decline in the growth rate of money supply undermines various false non-productive activities and this is what a recession is all about. Recessions then are not about a weakening in economic activity as such, but about the liquidation of various non-productive activities that sprang up on the back of the previous increase in money supply. You know, having said that, guys, you know, basically, you know, uh, well, first and foremost, before we continue, the AMS does, I, I said it a, a couple seconds ago, but basically what it stands for is the Austrian money supply metric, okay? That's what it stands for. It's for economists and investors and whatnot. It's basically created be, to show you guys that as the money supply increases, usually, uh, you know, as the growth rate is constantly rising, you tend to see happier times, you know, businesses are starting, stock markets high, bond markets high, you know, interest rates are super low, stuff of that nature, everyone's happy, you know, we're, we're on that heroin addiction, right? But as the growth rate of the money supply starts to fall off, then what happens? Well, then we start to consume less of the drug and now we're, we're going to go through withdrawal. And that's precisely what what's happening now. Yes, I would also say that the the, the lockdowns, okay, that that had a very profound effect. That certainly caused a lot of damage in the economy. Naturally, of course, it did. But it was also not only that, but it was also the fact that basically the the money supply growth also kind of took a dive from. 2011 basically and now we're seeing the effects of that in the economy in 2020 as well as the black swan event of the shutdowns so you know guys i wanted to ultimately talk about all this kind of stuff you know in the end what you have to also understand too the fact that the government spends more than it makes that's what a deficit is they spend more than they bring in via tax revenues and whatnot and actually jeff, jeff dice talked about this on the Tom Woods show you know, a couple days ago, and he basically said the federal government is operating using debt financing. So about half of the fiscal year 2020 federal budget, you know, uh, basically the fiscal year is usually measured from September 30th, 2019 to, to September 30th, 2020. Okay, so just so that you guys have that in mind. But, you know, half of the fiscal year 2020 federal budget the budget that Congress passed for the year 2020 was something over $5 trillion. The projected tax revenue was going to be about a trillion less, so $4 trillion something. So there was projected to be an annual deficit of a trillion dollars. So instead, I mean, no, nobody knew that the COVID shutdowns were going to happen type of thing. With the CARES Act and all the federal employment benefits and potentially more money that the government is going to spend between now and the in the end of the month or now in the end of the election, you know, federal spending is going to go up to somewhere in that seven to eight trillion dollar range. So, so much higher than projected. And of course, tax revenues have plummeted. So they're probably going to be somewhere south of four trillion, but somewhere around four trillion dollars. So as a result, for the first time in its history, the U.S. government is going to have a deficit, single year deficit, mind you, as large as tax receipts, if not larger. So half of everything the federal government does in 2020 will effectively be debt financing. You know, I don't know about you, but that that's that's not a, a positive thing. Okay. 
you know, I, but what you what Jeff Dice to saying here, and, and if it didn't read very well, I do apologize. Basically, I had to copy what Je- what Mr. Dice was saying on the Tom Woods show. You know, I don't get a transcript of the show, or at least. You know, there may have been a way for me to get the transcript of the show, but that's I didn't do that. You know, I was just listening. I thought it was very, you know, a good thing that he said and, and something to keep track of. So I decided to go ahead and, and write it all down. And as a result, I wrote it down almost exactly how he said. So it may not have read a, very, very well, considering the fact that it didn't come. You're not hearing it directly from him. But guys, I mean, seriously, a key thing that you guys need to keep in mind. The economy is uh, it's not looking good. You know, a key thing to take away from all this is it's just it's it's just more red flags. You know, money supply growth rate has has dropped. You know, shutdowns have occurred. You know, more businesses are going bust. They're they're declaring more and more bankruptcies. You know, all all this stuff, guys. It's 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 not looking good. So I just I wanted you guys to be aware of all this. I don't want this to be a doom and gloom kind of show. And I know that when I talk about this kind of stuff, you know, it seems like all is all is lost, right? Everything's about to be terrible. We're about to go through another crash. The economy isn't doing well. You know, what do I do? I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about my job. Yeah, well, you know, you, you and a lot of other people too. I mean, right now, my wife and I are still dependent on her income. And so, you know, uh, if she was to lose her job, we'd, we wouldn't be in the best straight either. Now, we have savings and stuff, of course, but is it enough to, to last long enough for her to get another job? Well, if she's not able to find a job, then I'm going to say no. But, you know, I mean, no, nobody knows. I hope she doesn't lose her job and we don't have to go through that process. But look, the fact remains, yeah, times are not looking good, okay? There's a lot of... of clouds on the horizon. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a recession right now and we're, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's how it always works in life, ladies and gentlemen. You know, that's how it always works. And they're going to come out in the election cycle and they're going to, you know, they're going to say stuff like, yeah, vote for me. I'll fix the problem. You know, vote for me. I'll fix the uh, issue. And you know, it never gets fixed. Never does. It never does. It's just kicking the can down the road. This is the very nature of politics. This is the very nature of a publicly owned government, you know, as opposed to a privately owned government. A monarchy would be considered a privately owned government, and a, and a publicly owned government is a government that's elected by the people. So your dem- democracies or your democra- democratically elected republics or maybe a republic, you know, st- stuff of that nature, that those are publicly owned right? And this is the very nature of a publicly owned government. You know, nobody wants to do the right thing because nobody really technically owns it. Any kind of politician that comes into the into it basically just tries to leech off of it everything they possibly can until their terms are up or until they, they, they move away. Even if they were to be able to serve for life, it's not theirs. So they're still looking to leech off the system as much as they possibly can because this is the very nature of a publicly owned government there will be no alternative it will never be it will never get better which is why it doesn't matter who you vote for it doesn't matter you know democrats republicans left right you know i've heard it said that those are uh two wings of a tired old bird 
couldn't agree more. I, I really couldn't. I was searching through uh, next the Nextdoor app, and there was an argument going on. I mean, come on. It's Nextdoor. I can't believe people argue about politics, but they do, and there's like, oh, yeah, Trump. It was some guy who got his Trump sign. I mean, in North Texas, and he got his, his Trump sign vandalized, right? It was a... Not, I mean, yeah, it was. It's private property and stuff, but it was the argument that 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 kind of ensued. But there were people who basically wrote all over it: "F Trump," you know, "Black Lives Matter," that kind of stuff. And it's like, what, whatever. What does that have anything to do with it? You know, um, basically, all it was it was a "Make America Great Again" sign, vote for Trump type of thing. Twenty twenty. That that's that's in effect what it was. Um, but I, you know, basically, some person who wrote it, probably some stupid teenager, more than likely, and you know, I mean, yeah, it was vandalized. He, you know, hurt private property and whatnot. But anyways, as a result, there was all this like there was this massive argument that ensued about should you vote for Trump? Should you not? We have to vote for Trump. It will we'll, it'll fix the economy. He'll fix the government, guys. He'll fix the the United States, the country. And it's just, I got to use that voice because it's like, are you, are you freaking kidding me? You really think that whether Biden or Trump or anyone else gets into office, that it's going to be fixed. Do you really think it is that simple? See, here's one of the, 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 the crazy things about democracy or a democratically elected republic. It's the same thing with both. You know, because we have the ability to vote, there's... Everything is shrouded in illusion. There's there's a ruling class. It's a political ruling class, right? And they get in bed with the captains of industry. And ultimately, they you get something that's called crony capitalism, where they both work with each other to achieve a monopoly or something very close to it. They get in bed to to you know do a lot of businesses get in bed with government to do rent seeking. Government tries to acquire more and more wealth because they don't own the government. You know, basically they are incentivized to basically steal and and take as much as they can from the system as possible. They are incentivized to grow the government in size so that the, the taxes become better or that they can print more money. And, you know, ultimately the incentive structure is not there to do what is right. The incentive structure is not there to do what is long-term healthy for the economy. It's just not. And in the end, it, this is the very nature of a democratically elected republic or a, dem, or a democracy, a straight democracy. Actually, straight democracies would be even worse. The fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, is this is the nature. There is no incentive to do the right thing. So it doesn't matter who you elect. It's the very system that's the problem. Because the system... While the Founding Fathers knew very well human tendencies, human behavior, they knew that men and women are not good people inherently. There are bad people out there. And they did their best to try to diversify power. In the end, though, it just it, 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 was, uh, it was an experiment that, that will ultimately fail. It will fail. And now, now before we get into this even more so, okay, a lot of you are, are hearing me, you've heard me, you know, talk about monarchy, right? And my opinion that monarchy is the best and monarchy is a better system, while I fully believe that monarchical systems are better, 
I, I fully understand that they have a massive amount of flaws, okay? A lot of flaws, and their flaws are, they're not perfect systems. But what I would like to say is that there is no system that is perfect. Every system is doomed to fail one way or the other. Whether it's a, you know, socialism, communism, capitalism, democracy, democratically elected republic, straight republic, you know, whether it's monarchy, you know, whether it's anarcho-capitalism, anarchy, whatever, whatever it is, there is no system that's ever truly going to, uh, to work 100% of the time. It's just not. It's the same thing with trading. When you get into the trading, you get a lot of new traders, they go through this whole mindset issue where they're constantly searching for that, that secret sauce, that secret strategy, that silver bullet, if you were, or if you will. I even said that wrong, gosh. But they're constantly looking for that, that secret sauce, right? They're constantly looking for that, that strategy, that strategy that they believe someone's withholding from them, that it's out there, and that they just found the right strategy, everything would work, and they'd be consistently profitable, and life would be good. That's, that's legitimately what they believe. It's totally wrong. It's not about the strategy. There is no perfect strategy. That's the truth. Truth is that there is no perfect strategy. And the fact remains is that it's there are plenty of strategies that work, but they're not perfect, right? They don't win all the time. But it's it's about reducing risk as much as possible. And then learning to manage the money appropriately, learning to manage it, learning to manage your trades appropriately, and doing the necessary work in order to, in effect, actually make money consistently. Well, when it comes to political systems, there, there really is no difference. Everybody is stuck in arguing about whether we should have socialism, communism, whether we should have, you know, democracy, republic, democratically elected republics, or, or anarcho-capitalism, or well, yeah, yeah, monarchy, yada, 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 although the monarchists, you know, people like me are, are, are even smaller in number than I think, <laughs> than I think most of the other groups. But the fact remains is that None of those systems are going to work, not 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 indefinitely. Monarchical systems existed for the vast majority of human existence, but not every monarchical empire, not every monarchical system, not every monarch reigned forever, not every monarch's family reigned forever. I'm just saying that the reason I like it is because from my point of view and from the knowledge that I possess, and I understand there's many bad king there were many bad kings and queens out there. The consistent structure that was created, the long-standing structure that was created by a monarch, whatever kind of, of laws that were created, whatever kind of taxation that was created, whatever it was. It was very consistent, very easy for businesses to predict, and therefore they didn't have to worry about, well, this year we're up for another election and we got to elect another president and, you know, I hope he's going to be a good president because if he ain't, I'm going to have a hard time operating my business. Oh my gosh, oh, I have a hard time doing that. I mean, you know, living in Texas, you would think that would come easy. It doesn't. Uh, I, I'm actually from the north. Well, I mean, I grew up in Texas all my life. Uh, I am from the north. I was. We moved down here when I was three. So I've lived the bulk of my life here. But um, anyways, that doesn't matter. The point that I'm trying to make is this, okay? There is no system. But 
with a monarch, you do get a lot of benefits. One of the benefits, and I'm not going to go into a ton of them, but one of the benefits is that it's much, it's a stable system. It's a state system that doesn't change. So you don't have to worry about a new president coming in and things of this nature, right? You don't have to worry about, you know, a new political party taking over control and changing the regulatory, you know, system or environment that you, that businesses were operate in or, or the taxing structure or what. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. You see, it's uncertainty that kills a lot of economic growth, that it kills a lot of production. It makes it very, very hard, but you don't have that most of the time, at least, in a monarchical system, and that's one of the benefits. But guys, in the end, you know, you're going to hear tons of people come out and say that we're going to fix the economy, we're going to do the best, and this and this and that and that, right? You're going to see a lot of people come out and say this. And again, while I do think that monarch a monarchical system is better... That's neither here nor there because, you know, while I do think that is the future for the U.S. of A, I, I, I genuinely do. I think that eventually the United States will deteriorate and it will deteriorate into some form of monarchy slash, you know, dictatorship type of situation. And how that really plays out will largely depend on who is the monarch, who is the dictator, right? I mean, when the, when the, the Republic of Rome fell, and and the rise of the emperors came there were a lot of emperors who were absolutely awful evil tyrannical people but there were other emperors that actually didn't do so bad they weren't the worst in the world you know so it it, it doesn't always mean that it's going to be bad although it can be bad right so anyways i just, I just wanted kind of um you know put that out there but you know i guess the point that i'm trying to come across is it doesn't matter you know, I'm, it doesn't matter who you vote for. It, doesn't, it really doesn't. It's not going to change a thing. In fact, I'm not even voting. I, I, I made a decision. I, do, I no longer believe in the political system. I no longer believe in the democratic process. Um, I, I don't believe in any of it anymore. Uh, I mean, you could always, you could already tell that as if you couldn't already. But yeah, I, mean, I, I don't, I just, I don't believe in it. I'm a monarchist at heart. I'm a Christian at heart. Right, I believe that when Christ comes back for a second coming, you know, he's he's not coming back as someone who's popularly elected. He's coming back as a monarch, king of kings, lord of lords. Right? You don't get to choose. There is no choice, and he will be perfect. Right? So, at the very core of me, I am a monarchist. But even politically, I think that monarchy is still better, despite the fact of its its shortcomings. And I think it's it's the lesser of, of, of evil and, you know, more so than anything else. I mean, uh, socialism, communism, or utopian societies, they always fail miserably. You know, uh, anarcho-capitalism hasn't been tried on a wide basis, although a lot of people say that there are examples of it that have existed. But it, it, it's not something that has that's existed uh, in mass adoption or on a very, very large scale. And I just think that, you know, like socialism, communism, these are utopian societies that don't really work. I believe the same with anarcho-capitalism. I think it's a utopian society that, d that doesn't really work. If, if I could see it adopted on a very mass scale and I could see it actually work, that would be great. And I'm not trying to say that I'm against trying it. Okay, I wouldn't be against a country, a state trying anarcho-capitalism, but I don't. I'm not going to live through it. 
<laughs> I'm not going to live there. But I mean, hey, I'm, I'll be all for it. You want to try it? Go, you know, have at it. Let's do it. Let's try it. Let's see what actually happens. Let's see how what human nature does to it. You see, human nature twists, contorts, and destroys many things. In reality, there's lots of really great things that look awesome on paper. I mean, socialism and communism, a lot of people think that those things, the children of democracy, as I like to call them, there are a lot of people that think that they look great on paper, but in reality, they don't factor in human nature. And because they don't understand human behavior, they don't understand human nature, they're destined for failure. I believe that, mo- that anarcho-capitalism is the exact same thing. You see, I think that um, there's this guy. Uh, there's a guy called H. L. Mencken that basically has this an absolutely amazing, amazing quote here that I, I love, and he is very popular for basically saying that people don't really value liberty. They don't really value freedom. Well, yes, we in order for to have true happiness, we do need some autonomy and some freedom in our life. We need to have the illusion of freedom, right? We need to think that we have some freedom. In reality, when it really comes down to it, people don't really have any freedom at all or that they don't really value it. You know, but here's a note from H.L. Mencken, Notes on Democracy, page 50. The great masses of men, though theoretically free, are seen to submit supinely to oppression and exploitation of a hundred abhorrent sorts. Have they no means of resistance? Obviously they have. The worst tyrant, even under democratic plutocracy, has but one throat to slit. The moment the majority decided to overthrow him, he would be overthrown, but the majority lacks the resolution. It cannot imagine taking the risks. Now, granted, that is not a statement or a quote that says that people don't value freedom, although H.L. Mencken has said that people don't value freedom. Um, They value safety and security over freedom. But here, this this quote plays very well into the into this, is that they can't. They're very risk averse. They can't imagine taking the risk of overthrowing a dictatorial evil ruler. They just can't imagine it. And which is why the vast majority of people are never going to stand up. They're never going to do what's necessary. Evil comes, and they're just going to roll over. And effectively take it because they're sheep. They're not leaders. They don't want to, they're risk averse. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not advocating for war here. What I'm effectively advocating for is people to take control of their lives by through financial freedom. And this is really what I want to pull the whole show into, all right? The whole show today. We talked about the issues that are in the economy. We talked about how people are going to, you know, are going to come to you. The narrative is, is going to be vote. And if you don't, you're a terrible person. Choose someone to fix this economy. Choose Trump. He'll fix it all. Choose, you know, Biden. He'll fix it. Same wings of a tired old bird, ladies and gentlemen. That is not an endorsement for libertarianism either. Libertarianism is still politics. Still playing on the same system. Never learning the lesson that the problem is with the system. And the only way to truly get away from it, the only way to truly fix it, is that you can't fix it. It is an unfixable problem. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish it was fixable, but it's not. You're not going to fix it, ever. The only way to truly 
become free and to get out of it is to, in effect, is to secede from the system, break away from the system. And the only way to do that is to become financially free. That's it. That's the whole point of this episode. And, and again, I came in, I didn't even know what I wanted to talk about. I knew I wanted to to talk about some of the, the economic issues, which is why I had some of the articles and stuff up here. But I didn't know 100% what I wanted to talk about. But guys, look, that, that is the, the message of today, right? Well, in point of fact, I would say that um, if you are a business owner, you are a king or queen because you you have created your little empire, right? You're not really a, a monarch. You're not a king or queen if you work for somebody else. And that's not to be insulting, but you, you're just not. You're working. You're the subject of a king or queen. You, you, you're the subject of a servant of some wealthy person that you work for, who started the business, who probably doesn't even know you exist. But if you really truly want to be a king in your own right or a queen... Take control of the source of your income. Move to another nation if things if you don't like the way things are. You know? Experience what is true freedom. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I I talk about this all the time on the show. This is the whole point of the show. Financial freedom and economics. This is the whole point. This is why I talk about financial freedom encompasses a lot of things, okay? You could call entrepreneurship as well. It just means taking control of the source of your income. And there are tons of ways that we can do that. So one of the reasons I, I labeled it as such is because, you know, in term, when, when you talk about financial freedom and taking control of the source of our income, there are an untold number of ways that we can do that. And I'm in fit, you know, whatever, whatever fits your personality, you know, whatever makes you money, get out there and go do it. Take control of the source of your income. Take control of your life, your destiny, your freedom. Become truly free. That's the only way. That's the only way to really, truly fix what's going on in this nation, to really, truly get away from it. And I know that sounds like I'm, I'm advocating to run away, but what I'm saying is the system can't be fixed. So running, if you want to classify it as that, I would not classify it as running away, but a lot of people probably will attack me in that way, t calling me a coward, you know, whatever. You know, go screw yourself. All right, go screw yourself if that's what you think. Fine. You want to stay here and suffer when it all comes down? Uh, you know, be my guest. I hope it doesn't do that under, uh, you know, uh, uh, while you, during your lifetime. But, you know, if it does, you got no one else to blame but yourself. I'm not going to do that. I have... I have my, my eyes looking towards the future. I have a very, very long time horizon. I know where I want to go. My dream is building up an empire of a global international empire of real estate. You know, I own, I, I want to own bank accounts in lots of different countries. Currencies of those countries are in that, those bank accounts. I want to have, you know, citizenship and passports from many different countries. I want to have many properties in different countries that I have rental when I'm, that they're on Airbnb when I'm not using them. And, I, and I'll probably only ever live in one country or maybe I'll travel between two for the most part. But, you know, I don't, I don't plan on ever being dependent on ever, anybody. But that dream of true freedom, nomadic wealth, flag theory, 
whatever you want to call it, it, it requires money. It requires wealth. It requires you to have achieved mobile income. And it requires a massive amount of work. And that's what I'm working here today. Uh, that's why I'm inviting you on my journey to achieve that. That's the end goal. That's the dream, right? True freedom, true autonomy, not being, you know, reliant or dependent on anybody. I don't owe anybody anything. I don't owe any country anything. I don't owe I don't owe any kind of country my allegiance. My allegiance is to my own and my family. That's it. Nobody owns me. And I don't know about you, but I think that's an incredibly powering message. Just one of the reasons I come in. I'm so passionate about it, right? But, you know, heck, I'm not even, I'm not making six figures. Like I said before, I mean, we're still, I'm still reliant on my wife's income. And she's got a normal nine to five job, works for somebody else. So I'm working on earning that dream. No, you don't. Des- it, I, I am of the opinion that you don't deserve anything until you earn it. No one deserves, you know, f- happiness. No one deserves freedom. Nothing. You don't deserve a thing. You don't have a right to one cotton-picking thing in this world if you don't earn it. That's my opinion. That's harsh to a lot of people. That's not what you're told. But I'm sick and tired of hearing that I have a right to the internet. I have a right to eat. I have a right to, you know, have a go to a museum. I got a right to all. You don't have a right to one flipping thing. The only thing you have a right to is not to be killed. And the ability to pursue your own happiness that's about it. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So life, you can translate that another way of the, you have the right to not be killed, right? Um, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I would say you don't even have a right of those two things. They're not rights. You have to earn them. You have to earn your ability to obtain the liberty and the freedom and to pursue your own happiness, If you are unhappy today, it's because you haven't earned it. You're not earning it. You're working for someone else, most likely. You are not satisfied with your life. Your life just feels like you're, I don't know, going through the motions. A humdrum life, you know? Sick and tired of working for a freaking boss who never appears to value you or seems to always undervalue you, overworks you all the time, you never get appreciated for that work. Do you think that's real freedom? Is that truly the freedom that you you really want? Is that the life you want? It's not freedom, I'll tell you that much. It's not freedom at all. It just isn't, ladies and gentlemen. It just isn't. And while I know that, that not everyone out there is is built for, you know, owning their own business. I mean, the world needs ditch diggers too. Uh, you've, I'm sure you've heard that statement. One of my mentors, uh, Jason Stapleton, he's got a podcast, Wealth, Power, and Influence. He, he says that all the time. Says that the world needs ditch diggers too. Not everyone is is, uh, is built for taking control of the source of their income. And it, it's sad. It really is. But, unfor- but it, you know, I mean, he's, he's not wrong. He isn't wrong, but there are things that even those people could do. 
there are things that, that, that even those people who aren't really interested in taking control of the source of their income and owning their own business can do, but they'll never be free. As long as they're dependent on somebody else for an income, they'll never be free. But there are ways for them to achieve a, an a increase their cash flow in a manner that they where they control that income stream. It just it takes a massive amount of money and the bulk of people never earn that money in their life. So the only way to earn it is to get out there and start doing something on your own. And the, the methods I'm, I'm talking about are, you know, you, you could own a lot of stocks and you could collect dividend payments. You could own a lot of bonds, uh, municipal tax-free municipal bonds if you wanted to. Um, there's a lot of different ways. You can live off the interest rates of those. But you have to have a lot of money to do it. You know, you could also do, uh, you know, own prop rental properties if you wanted to. You could pay a a, a, a property management company, which you got to be really careful about those. Okay, there's a lot of property management companies out there that suck and that basically are going to be running, you know, they're, they're going to trash your, your, your rental property. They're, they're going to not manage it well at all. So you got to be really careful about that. Do your research when you consider those. But if you wanted to, you could build up a ton of of rental a, a rental property company and you know get involved in that and and go from there. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. You, but you got to have control of your finances in order to do that. So actually the interesting thing about this episode today was that I actually talked about that. I actually talked about if you wanted to be financially free, you need to control your finances and I discussed different ways in which you do it. Now I will admit I kind of hopped around uh, a lot in that episode and I do apologize for that. Sometimes I, I struggle with uh, you know, keeping on track and I get off on tangents and stuff but there is still very good knowledge, very good value in that episode. Now that episode is going to be posted after this episode. And I actually recorded that episode first, but that's not gonna. Uh, <laughs> but that episode is gonna be posted after this one. But go give that one a, a listen to. It's actually it's it's pretty good. Uh, again, I hop around a lot, but if you guys can uh, sit through that, there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of value there. And I talk about how you can uh, get take control of your personal finances and stuff, and work at getting debt free, and how you can track your spending and things of that nature. And I talk about the differences between Robert Kiyosaki and Dave Ramsey's different, you know, personal finance mindsets and whatnot. Uh, I talk briefly about that and how I think you kind of marry the two ideas and whatnot. But anyways, that being said, look, you're going to be told a lot this year that you need to vote for Trump or Biden or whoever and that if you don't, um, you're a terrible person and ultimately you just, uh, you know, you're very you're very naive and, and whatnot. But you know what the truth is, is that those who vote, doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter who gets elected. Government is going to increase because the very nature of a democratically elected republic or a democracy, whatever, what have you. I know we are a democratically elected a public, a republic. I know that. I'm saying that it doesn't matter what system you have or what system you think there is. A publicly owned government is always going to tend towards increasing its power, its size, and its spending. It's the truth. It's just the truth because that's human nature. It's, uh, it's how – it's understanding human nature and how human nature views those topics and in the end how, how it views those, those systems, those structures. And guys, that's – it doesn't matter who you vote for because, because of human nature, the government 
is going to grow and it's always going to increase the size of gov- the size and the scope of government is always going to grow and in reality there there is no there's no stopping it so this election this coming election cycle do yourself a favor follow me in my exa- by exa- you know in my example that I'm I'm trying to lay out here and uh you know decide to secede from the coming madness that this election is going to be that every election is decide to secede about caring about the outcome because in the end it doesn't really affect you not really sometimes the stuff that these that these candidates can do can affect your life really but for the most part it's not going to change your life much doesn't normally never it didn't really matter which president got elected when you know in for me my life never changed yeah, sure, maybe some things got a little bit more expensive or maybe some things, maybe it made it a little difficult, but for the most part, my life stayed virtually the same. It's going to be the same with this election too. Oh, they'll try to, to to tell you otherwise. They'll try to tell you that, oh my gosh, you know, if we don't vote for Trump, the world is going to fall into chaos. America is going to die. No, it won't. No, it won't. Oh, if you don't vote for Biden, America is going to die. America is going to continue to be racist. America is going to continue to just whatever, just die. No, it won't. It just won't. I'm sick and tired of being told that I have to vote. I'm sick and tired of being told that we're free and because we're free, we need to vote. Look, I understand the sentiment, but that, that's, that sentiment comes from someone who's been indoctrinated by a democratically elected republic, a government that is elected. Election is nothing more than an illusion, an illusion to make you think you have power, an illusion to make you think that you have some form of control over it, when in reality you don't. You never did. The ruling class rule, and they're not letting you have any ounce of that power. You know, when we revolted against the King of England, we thought we were revolting against a ruling class, right? We thought that we were gaining our freedoms. Taxation without representation. You know, that was over a 4% tax on sugar, mind you. Yeah, I get taxed 15% of my income by the freaking federal government every single year. Yeah, 4%. <laughs> That's what we revolted against. Amazing, isn't it? That said, though, that thus is the danger of democracy or uh, republics or any hybrid thereof. You know, we thought that we were revolting against someone who had absolute power and then we tried to diversify the power. And the power ended up becoming centralized anyways. And make no mistake, there is a ruling class in America. There very much is. And they do not play by the same rules. They have a whole set of rules that are geared towards them. They really truly do. And those rules are, are set up to benefit themselves and not you. I mean, what would it just... It just it, not that long ago, Pelosi... Literally just went to go to a beauty salon, if I remember correctly. No mask. Uh, the salons are supposed to be closed, according to California law, state law. You know, and yet uh, she went to one. 
you know, uh, I think there was another politician, I think it was Cuomo, possibly, who ended up using a gym that said, I needed to be healthy so I can make appropriate decisions. Oh, apparently no one else needs to be healthy to make appropriate decisions. Yet he went to use a gym at a time when the gyms were supposed to be closed. You really think that they uh, operate on the same playing field as us? No. They have power. They're the ruling class. They've gotten far up enough in government to where they rule over everyone else. And get this. They don't play by the same rules that you and I do. They don't. But there is a benefit, okay? I, I don't want you walking away feeling all doom and gloom kind of bit. Look, I mean, just trying to, to drill into your head the necessity to becoming financially free. Ultimately, that's what I'm trying to show you guys the risks that are truly out there and how it the system is unfixable and the best thing you can do is to ultimately... Focus on yourself, becoming financially free, becoming wealthy, and focusing on yourself. That's the best thing you can do. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, there is a prayer. I try to pray this every night, among many other things, but um, there, there is one prayer that I try to pray every night. That is, uh, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things that I can. And wisdom to know the difference. It's a very old prayer. It's beautiful. Give me peace to accept those things that I can't change. Give me courage to change the things that I can. And give me wisdom to know the difference between the two. And ladies and gentlemen, I feel like I have that. I, I feel like my eyes have been opened ever since I've been praying that prayer. Now, I'm not trying to say that if you pray the prayer, it's going to improve your life or whatever. I'm just saying that, what you know, I started praying it and then over the years, kind of just, honestly, I'm kind of coming to the revelation right now, but really over the years, I've noticed that I'm starting to recognize things in my own life, things in my country, finances that I have no control over and things that I do. We, the, the problem with democracy or any kind of democratic system and we do have a democratic system. We are not a demo we do not have a democracy here in America. We have a democratically re elected republic. But we it, it's still a democratic system, right? We still elect, we still vote. It gives you the illusion that you have control over something when in reality you don't. While the Democrats and the Republicans may be of two different parties, in the end they achieve the exact same thing. They grow the size and the scope and the power of government. They're not really that different. Their rhetoric is sure different, but they're not really. Republicans can't say they're fiscally conservative. <laughs> That's not true. This year, If this year has shown anything, it's shown that Republicans are not fiscally conservative at all. I mean, I have heard Republicans that are, you know, that claim to be conservative stand up and say things like, oh yeah, well, we should just, you know, Trump should punish China. We shouldn't have free trade. We gotta fix. We gotta fix America. We've gotta pull the jobs back. I mean, that's not a conservative statement, and yet they claim to be conservatives. They're not conservatives. They're not. Fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, is that the system is not going to get fixed, and voting is a waste of time. In my most humble day, you go and vote if you want. But I'm deciding to secede from the whole thing. I'm not voting anymore. I don't, I don't think it matters. I don't see that my vote makes a difference 
I don't see that anybody's vote, collective or individual, makes a difference. All I see is government constantly taking more power, growing and becoming bigger, spending more, and I don't see anything changing it. So I'm going to focus less on that. I'm not even going to focus on that anymore. I'm not even going to – I don't care who gets elected. I'm not going to cry if my politician doesn't get elected, if my guy, my girl, whoever. I don't care. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on becoming financially free, taking control of the source of my income so that I can achieve the true dream that I have for me and my family, becoming international, not being beholden to anyone or any country, and being truly free and living out my principles, mind you, living out my principles. And that is what I'm going to do. And you know what? It's going to be really great. It's going to be great to not get on the news and watch the stupid debates and, and watch what these, these, these thieves, these, these snakes say in front of you and then, they, and then they turn around and do everything, do something entirely different behind closed doors. Or they do something entirely different right in front of you as well. It doesn't matter. Fact remains is that nothing's going to change. America is going to continue to go down the path that it's going to go down and it's, it's not going to change. The only thing you can do is secede from it, and to secede from it is to become financially free. Take control of the source of your income. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm, emotionally, it's going to be amazing. I'm not going to be in emotional turmoil like I was when Obama got elected. I mean, I was a pretty staunch Republican at that time, and man, when Obama got elected, I thought, oh gosh, you know, well, here we go. You know, America's going, America's going down the twos. America's, uh, you know, it's going to die and all that kind of stuff. That's legitimately what I thought. Didn't happen. Didn't happen when Democrats thought the same thing about Trump or, or President Bush, for that matter. Didn't happen. Didn't die under Clinton. The stuff that's, you know, in reality, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you're doing and what you're choosing to do with your life each and every day. Are you pursuing your own freedom? Are you pursuing your own, you know, are you pursuing a path that's going to liberate you? Are you making the appropriate decisions to be able to thrive in this world? Or are you just reacting to life? I can't, I can't answer that question for you because I, I'm not in your life. But you need to be taking control of the source of your income. It's just it's just the truth. All right, guys. Well, hey, we are over for the time today. I, I You know, thank you for being here. It was really great. I, I honestly went into the show not knowing what the heck I wanted to talk about. And I ended up giving a pretty decent show. I thought it was good. If you guys liked it as well, uh, you know, and you're getting value out of what I'm doing here, then hey, go check me out on Locals.com. Go join the community. Uh, let me know who you are and and what you, why you're you're there and all that kind of stuff. What you're doing to become financially free. And uh, yeah, join that community. I'm trying to to gather a very large community. It's totally free, by the way. Um, I'm trying to gather a community of individuals there who are all trying to become financially free. I think it's going to be a very great resource for people who can all help each other achieve true freedom and liberty by becoming, you know, taking control of the source of their income and whatnot. So if you like what I'm doing here, you're getting value out of it, 
go check me out there. Also, if you're, you know, listening to this on the podcast via audio, or actually it doesn't matter wherever you're listening to this, you know, please go leave me a rating and review on iTunes, guys. I'm trying to get on the map. I'm trying to get out there. I'm trying to have more and more people, you know, ultimately see who I am, see my ideas. I think I got a lot of really great ideas. I think I'm very, very good with economics. I I know a lot about economics. I'm an aspiring Forex trader. And uh, ultimately, I'm on my journey to becoming financially free. And the reason why I invite you guys on that journey is so that you guys can learn about the process. You guys can learn and see the realities of it. And I'm going to be transparent with you. That's the promise that I make to you guys. I will be transparent, honest, ethical. I'm going to show you guys my journey so that you guys can learn what it's really like to go through it. I mean, not only do we get to be entertained and we get to talk about economics and politics and a whole host of other things, which you know, we don't really focus 100% on politics, but try talking about economics without talking about politics. It's not easy. But that said though, you know, if you're getting value at, you know, I think I got a lot of ideas that I think this whole concept of financial freedom is powerful. It's incredibly powerful. I wanted to get it out there to as many people as I can get to listen to me. So if you guys want to help me with that message, I think it will improve a lot of people's lives. Um, if you guys want to help me, go leave me a rating and review on iTunes and, uh, you know, uh, help me grow my, my image. And hey, on the same note, if you again, if you like what I'm doing here, if you love this message, then please share the show. You know, if if you're on Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media platform you're on, please con- consider sharing it. You know, share the show with as many people as you think are going to enjoy it. You know, hey, do this. Share it with three people. You don't have to share it with everybody, although I would love it if you did. Share it with three people. Share it with someone you know is going to love it. Someone you think might like it could go either way and someone you think is going to hate it. All right. Share it to those three different people. All right. And if you want to share with more than, hey, more power to you. I am incredibly passionate about this. I'm sharing my stuff as many, (laughs) as much as I possibly can. I'm sharing this message. I'm spreading it as it to as many people that are going to listen. Hey, odds are if you are listening and you like it, there are going to be people who are going to like it as well. So please share this message, share the show wherever you guys are. Make sure to hit the like button and the follow button. And hey, also, if you guys are on Twitter, I know many of you are, if you're on Twitter, uh, please, uh, you know, hit me, hit me up and, uh, you know, follow me. I'm trying to grow a big Twitter following. I'm focusing a lot on Twitter, although I have to admit I've kind of fallen uh, this week on that. I haven't posted a lot this week, and <laughs> just after getting off on my uh, routine has really, uh, really kind of hurt in that sense. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to build this this strong Twitter following and, and whatnot. And I'd be really appreciative if you guys could go out there and follow me if you're on there, and I, I would greatly appreciate it. My handle is at Matthew Spaziti. And again, at Matthew Spazzi, I'll put a link in the show notes below so you guys don't even have to worry about it. But Spaziti is S-P-O-S-I-T-I. Uh, it, yeah, I'll, I'll just put a link in the, in the show notes. Yeah, at, at Matthew Spaziti, no underscores, no slashes, no dashes or anything else. So anyways, uh, you guys, hey, look, if, if you want to become financially free, but you don't really know how, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. You could do it through Forex trading. You can do it through information marketing. You can sell information products, products that teach people how to do stuff. You could do it in investing. 
Okay, there's a whole host of different stuff that you can do. If you guys are interested in any of that, check out my affiliates. You know, I've got Tier 1 Trading and one of the number one trading coach platforms in the entire world, in my most humble opinion. They're absolutely amazing. You know, Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone, Charles Miles, they're great guys. They teach you all kinds of stuff with regards to Forex trading. The strategies they teach you there can actually be applied to any market, not simply just Forex, but they specifically hone in and focus on Forex, but they teach you all kinds of stuff, how to read price charts, how to do money management, you know, how to do advanced pattern recognition, all kinds of stuff. They'll teach you how to backtest a strategy, how to create a strategy for that matter. You know, they'll teach you so, so much stuff. They're absolutely amazing. You know, go check them out because you won't be led down the wrong path. They're absolutely, absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, they're, they're great. They really are. So if you guys are interested in Forex training, go check them out. You know, I think one of the number one skills of Forex training that I love personally is learning how to read a price chart. I use this skill every single week. I mean, multiple times a day in mo- uh, in a lot of cases. You know, I check on the the how the price charts with regards to bond prices, bond yields, gold, silver, Platinum, palladium, rhodium, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then of course all the currency pairs and stocks. Having the ability to read a price chart is a, is invaluable skill. Literally, I can't even put a dollar sign on it. It is an amazing, amazing skill. Okay, and it is awesome. It's one of the best skills in the world. Even if you don't want to become a trader, that skill alone is highly valuable. Because price charts are always present and knowing how to read it, knowing how to predict market movement with some degree of accuracy is an amazing skill that I think everyone really should have, regardless of whether they want to be a trader or not. That I don't I don't think it'll, you know, send down the wrong path. But if you are interested in Forex trading though, go uh, you know, go check out tier one trading. Also, if you are, you're gonna need a price uh, a charting platform, right? So hey, if you're interested in learning how to read a price chart. You need a price chart to read off of. Go to tradingview.com, guys. Tradingview.com, absolutely amazing charting platform. My favorite charting platform, mind you. I use it every single week. I do. I use it uh, all the time. I've got a profile on there, Matthew underscore Spazzini. And it's really great. You know, if you, uh, I'll put the link to my profile in the show notes below. But I post trading ideas there. I practice my market analysis there. And I post stuff there every single week, multiple times a week. And it's really, really great. And, you know, I'm, I'm building a trading following there as well. And it's, it's been very good. I, I love it. It's really easy to use. And it's like dirt cheap. It's like if you sign up for a monthly plan, I think it's like only 20 bucks a month. And it, it's really, really, really go- great stuff. So if you're looking for a charting platform that's intuitive, easy to use, you can even trade with your broker straight through the charts, which I'll tell you a long time ago, you couldn't do that. You had to hop between your browser with your broker, you know, platform portal open, and then you had to use the charting platform on your other browser. And it was, and you had to have like two different monitors and stuff. Now you don't have to do that. Now you can use your second monitor to look at another chart, (laughs) which is what I like to do. But um, it's actually, it's, it's really great guys. So uh, if you're interested in any of that, go check that stuff out. And also, Hey, look, if you're you don't really know what you want to do. You know, let's say you decide that I want to, you want to start your own business, right? And you want to sell information products. You want to teach someone how to do something. So you want to create a course. You want to be known for a particular thing, but you don't really feel like you know anything. You don't really feel like you have any, you don't, you don't really know what you would do. Go to Skillshare.com if that is you. 
Guys, Skillshare.com has all kinds of stuff, all kinds of courses, thousands of courses, anywhere from flying drones to pretty much, you know, designing websites to coding to trading, Forex options, stocks, what have you. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Email copywriting is on there too, you know, photography, filmography, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. L- literally, I have used TradingView for tons and tons and tons of things. And if you, and they have really high quality courses. And, I, and I, I, mean, I just recently used it for YouTube ads. I wanted to know how to do YouTube ads. So I found a course on YouTube ads and uh, went ahead and did that. And I'm kind of experimenting with YouTube ads to see what kind of ads work and what kind of target, you know, target audiences to, to hit up or whether to target channels and all sorts of stuff. Guys, Skillshare is absolutely amazing, and with how cheap it is, it's really, I mean, how can you really say you don't want it? I mean, seriously, you want to learn a skill, and you want to learn it cheap because you don't have a lot of money. You can't really refute this, you know, Skillshare. Skillshare is absolutely amazing. I have it. I use it all the time. It's only like $100 for the entire year. You know, it's really great. And in most cases, they will give you a month to two months for free. I don't know which exactly they're running, uh, but you know, go check them out, guys. They're amazing. You won't be disappointed. I will tell you, I will say that I haven't been disappointed. I've been using them for them for years now. So guys, they're absolutely amazing. Go do that and go check it out. And, um, yeah, that's going to be it for the show guys. Look, Hey, thank you for showing up. Please share the show. Hit me up on locals, hit me up on Twitter and leave me a rating and review if you like what I'm doing here. And guys, if you will do all of that for me, and I know I'm asking a lot, but you guys are amazing, right? You guys are absolutely amazing. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. All right. That's the truth. You guys, I come here and I do this because you guys love it. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. I mean, I could be hanging out with my family right now. Right? I mean, my wife is done working and whatnot. I could be hanging out with my family. So I come here because I want to share this message. And I love the fact that you guys come. You guys enjoy what I have to say. You get value out of the show. That just, I I can't even express how much that means to me. It, It just, it fills me up with, with just, with joy. And it warms my heart. It really does. And I, I don't say that lightly. Okay? It makes me feel like a million bucks to know that, you know, you guys like what I'm doing. So I, I wanted to uh, just, you know, just tell you thank you. But, and hey, I just did something. I'm going to briefly mention it. If you guys like this a lot and you're not interested in all the affiliate stuff, but you want to help me grow the show, you want to help me grow the message of financial freedom and empowerment, then I actually just recently created a donations website. And if you guys want to donate to the show and become a patron of the show, hey, you know, go check that out. I'll put the link in the description below. I just, I literally just did it on Podbean. So I will show you guys, I'll show you where to go and everything. But if you're getting value out of what I'm doing here and you absolutely love it and you absolutely love this message of financial freedom and all that kind of stuff and you just, you want me to help me, you know, produce the content with the production costs. You want to help me with regards to the ad revenues and you want to just help provide, you know, for, for me and the show and all that kind of stuff so that I can keep doing this, then, Hey, consider donating. That's one of the best things that you guys could do. If you don't, if you're not interested in Forex trading or Skillshare or anything of the sort, which by the way, they're all great, right? They're, they're all great. You know, I use all that stuff all the time. You know, I use TradingView. I use Skillshare. I've been trained by the guys at tier one trading. I've received education from them and whatnot. It's all amazing. 
So I, I you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it if I don't, if I didn't have experience in it, and if I didn't know what they were doing and all that kind of stuff. But that said, though, if you're not interested in that, and you just want to help me with the show, then hey. Uh, click the link in in the show notes below, the donation link, the patron link, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, just consider donating whatever whatever you feel comfortable with. And guys, if you, if you decide to do that, that makes me feel so amazing. Not only are you guys coming here, but then you don't. That's awesome. You guys are amazing. I love each and every one of you. Guys, if you'll do all of that for me. I'll see y'all in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.